Don't waste the waiting. That's my title. Don't waste the waiting. Um, but before we jump into that, I want to share just a, just a quick thing. I had you look at everybody around you and tell them that God is working. And I firmly believe that God is working. But before we jump into the word, I want to set just, just the tone. Because sometimes I know that in, when I'm facing things, when I'm walking through things, and even when things are going really good, sometimes I need just a quick reminder to know just how good my God is. And sometimes I need a quick reminder to stop and just know who he is. To take a minute and stop. Stop the spinning. Stop our minds running and just stop and go, I just want to know who my God is for a minute. So I'm going to read just a couple scriptures here about our God because I want us on the, on the same page because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who he is in here and who he is to these people are the same God that he is to us. So I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 31.6. Oh, that was so mean of me. Did you see me start turning there before I told you where it was and I told you to use your Bibles? <laughs> Keep up. Sorry, I'll, I'll give you a fair shot the next time. But it says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm gonna set all these papers out of my Bible so I don't throw them on the floor. I'm gonna read that one more time. Don't listen to it as a random scripture written to somebody somewhere. Make the word of God personal. It says this, this, this word is living. This word is active. This is a love letter to us. This is a word of God that is going to penetrate to the deepest places of our beings if we let it. And so Deuteronomy 31.6, again, be strong and of good courage. Do you need some strength today? Do we need some courage today? Do not be afraid or do not fear, nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Hey, that's a powerful promise. And that's a common scripture, but sometimes we need a reminder, in this moment, my God is with me. In that moment, he didn't leave me. In tomorrow's moment, he's still gonna be there. That regardless of whether I can see him or not, my God promises that he won't leave. So he, he's with us, he's with us. That's, that's, that's a Big promise for us to grab. Um, let's go to Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things, some things, all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And we know that all things work to the good. It didn't say that all good things work to our good. It didn't say that all the things that you've asked for and received are working to your good. It says that all things work to our good. That means, dang, I messed up. I repent and all things work to good. That means I didn't see this coming. I don't know where it came from. I got blindsided by it. All things work to my good. All things. There is nothing that will not work to your good when it's surrendered to God. Not anything. Not anything. Kind of a nice reminder in the morning, huh? All things. So all things right now. Say all things, all things. are working to my good. Say it like you mean it. Own it. 
All right, let's go to, and I already said John 16, 33, so we're gonna skip that one, but we're gonna go to Isaiah 61, 3. And I just wanna set a foundation because, man, when we don't know who our God is, really, actually, nothing else we preach will even apply. All right, Isaiah 61, 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oil for mourning, the oil of joy. Where are some areas in our life that maybe we feel some mourning? God says, I got some joy for that. I got something for that. He says, where's the ashes? He goes, let me just convert those over into beauty. So there's all things working to our good that God is working behind the scenes. And then the last one, Psalm 84, 11, and then we'll actually get into our message. But these encouraged me and I wanted to read them this morning just because and we need some encouragement to know how good God really is. Because sometimes all we hear about it is the negativity. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. All right, now I want you to look at your neighbor, but you don't got to tell them this. You're going to tell them this about you. God is not holding one good thing back from me. Do you believe that? Man, that's like a boat of confidence to go, my God does not hold good things back from me. And actually, as we just read, he turns everything and uses it for my good. So he doesn't withhold it. And then anything we give him, he's going to turn it to good. So I'd say it's a pretty good God. Yeah. Yeah. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Okay. We serve a very good God. All right. So don't waste the waiting. Don't waste the waiting. Here's what I believe. I believe that every season is a waiting season. They may look completely different, but every season is a waiting season. But I think that we have a misconception of waiting, but every single person in this room is facing some kind of waiting season. And here's what I mean by that. It could be, I actually have no clue what God has planned for my life. I have no clue why I'm on planet earth. I know he's good. I know people say he has a plan. I got nothing. And that's fine. Like, that's a totally fair place to be, okay? Another place could be, I know exactly what I'm called to do. I know exactly what's been spoke over my life. Maybe you've even received a prophetic word over your life and you go, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm going. I can see it. How am I gonna get there is actually up in the air right now. And we don't know when, we don't know how, but we just know at some point I'm gonna be there. Okay, so that could be a season. Or maybe it's a season that it's, man, I've been believing for a breakthrough. I've been believing for a healing. I've been believing for God to show up on my behalf. I've been believing for this answer to prayer. I read this promise and I've been believing for it to come to pass. But it's just not. And I don't know what else to do. Okay, fair season. Maybe that's a season that we're in. Maybe it's a season that you go, I received a word from God and no one can convince me otherwise. I know what he said. I know where I'm supposed to be right now in this moment. And in this moment. And in this moment. And it's been 12 years and I'm still in this moment. 
and I know what God said, but I'm just gonna be faithful to what, maybe that's a season of waiting. And I can go on and on and on, but we're all in a different season of waiting, of trying to figure out where we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to get there, how we're supposed to get there, why the answer isn't coming, why theirs did come. I don't know. Sorry, I never look up there. Hi, guys. So look at, they participate. None of you waved at me. They all waved at me. I'm gonna preach to you more often. I have less of a double chin that way if I preach up there. Um, But when we really look at it, what season of waiting are we in? And maybe it's something that I didn't mention, but write it down. What season are you in? What season are you in? All right? So it's all. Let me give you the definition of waiting. So waiting is the straining of the mind in a certain direction with an expectant attitude, a forward look with assurance. So an expected attitude. Here's what else it is. Waiting outside of only a couple times in the Bible, outside of that, every time you hear the word wait or see the word wait or read the word wait, it is an active word. It is not a passive word. It is not wait and sit back and do nothing. It is an active word, meaning when we're in a season of waiting, we should be doing something. Okay, and here's Shelby's definition of waiting because I know some of all of those words sometimes are a bit much, so I wrote my own for you. I haven't um, published my dictionary yet, but I'll get on that. Um, Okay, here's Shelby's definition. Waiting is the time between here and there. Okay? Easy enough? It is the time between here and there. Where your here is, I have no clue. Where your there is, I have no clue. And your here and there can change multiple times throughout your life. I thought about writing a Dr. Seuss book. I went here and there. We can write about waiting here and there and over there. And that's all I got. But if I worked on it, we could, we could do that too. All right, but the here and the there. And so we're going to talk about not wasting that waiting now that we have a foundation of knowing what waiting is. It's between here and there. We know that it's active and we know that we are all waiting for something somehow, right? We're all on that that basis. But then we also are going to back up and go, but God's still working. He's still good. He's still present. He's still not withholding any good thing from me. He still has overcome and is overcoming on my behalf. Okay, all of those things are still true as we move into this. So I wanna change our perception of waiting. Let's go to Isaiah 40. And I changed where I was gonna start, so I gotta look at my notes real quick. 27 is where we're gonna start. Man, no one joined her. All right, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. I want to pause there for a minute because sometimes this is how our season of waiting can feel, okay? It says that my way is hidden from the Lord. I feel like God can't see where I'm at. I feel like I'm facing things, and if God were able to see this, something else would be happening. So sometimes we feel like God doesn't see me. My way is hidden, And then it goes on to say, and my just claim is passed over by my God. What I'm asking, where I'm at, I'm hidden and God's just passing over. He's not even hearing what I'm trying to tell him. He's not hearing what I'm trying to express to him. And it feels like we're being passed over by God. It feels like God is absent. Well, here's God's response. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? 
the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Okay, that's good stuff. But here's what I wanna reframe our perception about waiting with, okay? If waiting was just sitting back and doing nothing, why is it such a big deal for God to give us so much strength? I don't need renewed strength to sit on my couch. I can come up with that myself. (laughs) But if waiting is passive, why does God need to renew my strength? It doesn't even say that you need to go renew your strength. If waiting was passive, we can renew our own strength. But it says that he shall renew our strength. We shall run and not grow weary. We shall walk and not grow faint. Okay, I'm a runner. I like to run. I like to hike. I like to walk. I like all of those things. Okay, all of those things are active. All of those things take effort. All of those things take dedication. That being the case, that's not sitting back and doing nothing. That means waiting is doing something. That means waiting requires effort on my part. And we're gonna get into what that looks like, but we gotta reframe because we hear, wait, what do you tell your kids? Just just wait a minute. What do you want them to do? Nothing. You're telling them to do nothing. I need you to sit there and not move. That's what you're telling them. So I need you to retrain your kids now because the Bible says to train up the child in the way he should go, not the way you went, okay? So get your kid and when you say wait, have them march in place so they understand that it's not doing nothing. Just help us out so future preachers don't have to explain waiting because, I mean, you know how much time this is taken out of our service to re-perceive waiting, okay? So waiting is more of a, a training season. Waiting is a training season, Okay, I want us to think of it as, so I was a basketball coach for, for a few years and I, I, I love sports. I love that side. Okay, but here's the thing about basketball is that there's an off season and there's an in season, okay? But then between games, there's still more season. So as a basketball coach, it's longest season of the year, okay? But there's all this waiting that takes place but the waiting really needs some action to it to be an effective team. You need a team that works in the off season, but then you also need a team that practices on the weekends that you don't have games, and you need a team that's gonna practice between game to game, and you need, so there's all this training, right? We train, we train, we train. That's the waiting season. That's the waiting season. So our waiting season is our training season, okay? The quote that this entire message is gonna be built around, are you ready? Pins ready. All right. More battles are won and lost in the waiting than there will ever be in the battlefield. More battles are won and lost in the waiting than there ever will be in the battlefield. Here's why. Because I've coached a lot of basketball and I promise you the team that used their waiting more effectively is going to be the team that wins the game. And so it wasn't a lack of try during the game. It wasn't mistakes during the game that lost us the game. It was a lack of waiting before the game. And in our lives, sometimes we go, man, I'm fighting every battle I know and I feel like I'm just losing and I feel like I'm getting beat up and I feel like I'm facing this and then God wants to use me and then I'm not ready for him to use me. And we want God to use us, but he's not using us. But if he were to use us, it would probably destroy us because we're not ready. 
We're not ready for what he has to hand us. Why? Because we have a perception of waiting that we're sitting back waiting for God to show up. God told me I was gonna be that person, so I'll just wait right here until you get back to me. But then we're not prepared to be there. Does that make sense? So more battles are won and lost in the waiting than there will ever be on the, on the battlefield. The waiting is a season of pursuing Jesus. Waiting is a season of pursuing the word, pursuing prayer, pursuing your local church. It's important. It is pursuing the off season, the between games, okay? Practicing for all circumstances, okay? The other thing that I wanna point out there is that sometimes we practice and we read for the life that we expect to live, I'll say that again. Sometimes we practice, we read, we pray for the life that we expect to live. And that's our waiting time. And so I'm practicing and praying and reading for the life that I want. So then when life turns out differently than what Shelby's mind expected, because turns out I'm not God. So then it comes out differently. I'm not prepared for that thing that I'm facing. Why? Because waiting in the off season is a pursuing of our relationship with Jesus first. So go, Jesus, I need to know what you need me to have in this season. I need to know where you've placed me in this season. I don't want to place myself, position myself, or prepare myself for a life that I think that I'm going to live. I want to position myself and prepare myself for the life that you have for me to live. You know what I'm going to face. I don't. And I need to be prepared accordingly. And here's what that looks like on a sports perspective or we can go to a rodeo perspective is that my dad, when we practiced, when, when we were rodeoing, he made me, he got a mix of stuff. I had to learn to rope slow cattle. I had to learn to rope fast cattle. I had to learn usually, so you're, you're team ropers. You're gonna know what kind of team roper you are right now. Real quick, I'm gonna call you out, okay? If you get rid of the steer that ducks his head, preppy team roper keep the steer that ducks his head. You're going to draw one inevitably. So practice with him. Okay. So the steer that runs left, the steer that runs right. We had to rope all of them because my dad said, if you ever give me an excuse that you missed because of something an animal did in the arena as a lack of practice on your part, that is not the steer's fault. Okay. So it seems harsh. It seems, but that's reality. And so in our lives, how many times do we make excuses I didn't expect life to work like that. Well, I can't believe that person did that. For me, God, didn't, I didn't read that this morning. I read all about the glorious day I was gonna have and then I got cut off. So I don't even know what to do about that. And that's how we'll prepare ourselves. We don't prepare according to the word of God that says, God, what do you have for me? I need you to prepare me because when I prepare me, I'm still being God in my life. I'm not allowing God to be God in my life. Do we see the difference? Okay, so... Has our perception of waiting adjusted a little bit? Okay, now let's look at waiting in the Word of God. What seasons in the Word of God were waiting? Well, when you see a wilderness season, it's waiting. It never happens on a beach. I always get so sad. Like, God, why wasn't there a beach waiting season? I will wait for the rest of my life if I have that. Okay, there's not. There's, they were in the valley. <laughs> they were in a lion's den. They were in a fire. They were in the wilderness. They were tending sheep. They were lost for lots of years. They, those are the waiting seasons. Those are the waiting seasons. And sometimes we wanna be just in the few victory seasons that we see. 
so then we don't prepare in our waiting seasons. The reason that there's victory seasons in the Bible is because someone was adequately prepared in their waiting season. That's what we're gonna look at next. All right, we're gonna look at two sides and we're gonna actually get into some stories. I'm gonna paraphrase the stories, but I just wanna, our waiting seasons are so important and they're vital to our relationship with God. They're vital to us being who God created us to be when they are done right, when they are done right, meaning we waited on God. That scripture said to wait on God. I wanna go to one more scripture to back that up really quick. Let's go to Psalm 27. Because we can wait on God, and then here's the difference. We can wait on what we want God to do. And they're two very different things. We can wait on God, or we can wait on what we want God to do. When we wait on God, our waiting season will be spent right. When we are actively waiting on God, when we are training behind the scenes, when we wait on what we want God to do, you'll wander in the wilderness for a really long time. Um, Psalm 27, 13, it said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's why we read those scriptures at the beginning because I have to be convinced of who my God is because if I'm convinced of who my God is then regardless of what I'm facing, I know my God doesn't change. So all hell can come against me and I can say, no, but my God's still good. You can't change that. My God is still victorious. My God still overcomes. My God is still on the throne and I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how it feels. I don't care what is happening or not happening. My God is still good and you can't convince me otherwise. Otherwise, we would lose heart. So I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. The Amplified says, and confidently expect. Wait on the Lord and confidently expect. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord and confidently expect. When situations come up, when we face things that maybe are a little bit unexpected, what are we expecting? What are we expecting? Do I expect the goodness of the Lord on the other side? Or do I expect the enemy to win? Do I already brace myself for impact? What are we expecting? Because one will cause us to lose heart and one will strengthen us. When I wait on God, that brings me strength. When I wait on what I think God should be doing and what he's not doing and what the enemy is doing, then that's gonna cause me to lose heart. Okay, so there's two ways to wait. We can wait on God or we can wait on God's results. Here's how we know which category we're in, okay? My dad told me this this morning when I was going over this with him. I had, uh, he had called and I went over my message and he said, when you wait on God and you wait right, it always results in a harvest. It always results in a harvest because we serve a God that's all about people and there's no one in this room that has a purpose that is outside of people everybody's purpose is people. How that purpose lines out may look different because we're different. We have gifts and talents and abilities that are, that are different around the whole room. But God's purpose is always people. So regardless of who we are, regardless of what we face, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the plan that God has for me, my waiting on God should always, always, always result in reaching a harvest. Always. Okay, so that's the first part. All right, here's what else the waiting does for us. It strengthens us. It develops us. When we do, um, when I was working at a gym, I was a personal trainer, and some of the things that we would, we would tell people, one of the main lines that we would tell is because you know when you're working out 
whether you're super fit, whether you're not fit at all, there's always that burning moment, right? And it hurts. And it's like to quit or not to quit, to quit or get injured. <laughs> like that's how we feel, right? Because everything has to tear down before it can build back up. But here's what we tell them is that the burning sensation is never weakness being shown. It's always strength being developed. And so we change the mindset that you're not showing me weakness because you're feeling a little bit of a burn. You're showing me that strength is being developed. If you quit now, the strength won't be developed. Make sense? Okay, so the same is true here. In our waiting seasons, those, when we start feeling the burn, when we go, oh my gosh, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I've been. Do I keep doing the same thing? Have I even heard God? In those seasons that all of us are in, are we feeling the burn? And if so, it's strength being developed. It's not weakness being exposed. It's strength being developed because we're allowing God to do in us what we can't do for ourselves. So it's strength developed, okay? And then it puts down our flesh and it lifts up our spirit. When we wait, 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 right, it produces patience. It reveals our intentions and our heart conditions. Why do we do what we do? And this is a, one of those, uh, uh, this is a burning question. Don't worry, it's strength being developed. It's not weakness being exposed. Okay, why do we do what we do? Why do we obey the word of God? So we can get the promise, so we can know him. Why do we live right? So God answers our prayers or so that I can know my Jesus? Why do we come to church? So that we can mark it off our to-do list or because I know that when I'm planted in the house, I will flourish? Why do we give? So that God blesses my 90% or because if it says it in the word of God, I'm gonna live by the word of God. So what's our intention? The waiting season We'll always reveal it because in the waiting season, when we don't see what we want to see, when we think we should be seeing it, we're going to find out real quick what our intentions were and whether we're going to keep waiting or whether we're going to quit. It'll be one of the two. So it reveals things. It gives us work experience. Gives us work experience. And here's what I mean by that. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And every one of the pieces of our plan, you're going to, there's all kinds of pieces to this that fit together to accomplish and be the grand scheme of life. There's so many things that you're gonna walk through, so many things that you're gonna see, so many jobs, so many people, so many different, man, I feel like I have like interest ADD. I'm interested in all kinds of things and I feel like I need a new degree every other year. It's just important to me that I keep learning, okay? There's all of these interests and things, but every single one of those, I'm gonna gain work experience because God works all things to my good. So then the next thing, you didn't know, that coaching basketball would preach. I didn't either. I was just coaching basketball. But turns out it preaches. Why? I have work experience with fitness and conditioning. Turns out spiritually, everything overlaps. So I have work experience in that area. When I spend my waiting time in the word, in the word, in the word, in the word, and applying the word, and obeying the word, and memorizing the word, and meditating on the word, well, then when I get to the next place that God has me to go, I have work experience in that area. You don't hire someone that's never done what, I mean, sometimes you do, because we believe in them. But for the most part, our first question is, do you have experience doing this job? It's important that if you have a job talking to people that, you know, you're decent with people. It's important. It's, if you have a job doing anything artsy, I feel like creativity is gonna be important. We should have some experience in that area, okay? 
but we need job experience for the next thing that God has for us. But if we do nothing, we will not gain experience. Make sense? Okay, so we get work experience. We build, God builds in us what, what we need to be able to handle what's next. Waiting also gives us a value for what's coming. We value it differently. When I've worked for something, when I've waited for something, when I have through prayer and on my knees prayed for things, and then I see them come to pass, I value them a little bit different than if God just handed me everything. There's a little bit more value when I've worked for it, when I've prayed for it, when I've had to make some hard decisions to draw some lines in my life to go, no, I'm not gonna cross that line. I'm gonna obey the word of God. When I've fought for those things, when we've made those sacrifices, and then that thing comes to pass, it means a little more. It has a little bit more value for me to hold on to than just if it was handed to me. So it adds value, okay? Um, it, it also produces humility. It produces humility because here's the thing about a waiting season. We think we know everything until we don't. And we can't wait. We cannot have a successful waiting season knowing everything. Because if we know everything we think we're God. We don't know everything. But humility cannot be brought out until we go, I realize I don't know everything. I realize that I actually probably know nothing, <laughs> that I need you in every area of my life. So the waiting seasons produce humility in our life. And then the waiting seasons produce trust in our life. Okay, so then let's flip-flop to the other side when we wait on God's results instead of waiting on God, this is when our waiting season goes wrong or when we just sit back and do nothing. When we're just waiting for God's results and I don't gotta do anything to work with God, okay? Here's what happens. We become self-reliant. Pride steps in. We get complacent. We get bitter. We get dull. We get critical. We are a mile wide and an inch deep. There's no depth to our life, but we sure memorize the whole Bible we get frustrated. We can't receive correction. We get negative. People moving forward around us or people receiving an answer around us irritate us because we're not seeing what we think we should be seeing. We don't have a spiritual hunger to be in the word. We start comparing ourselves to people around us and the call that God has on their life. And then the biggest indicator is that when anything happens, we question God. When anything happens, we question God. It's a sign that we're not trusting God because if I was waiting in the word, my question would never be of God. The only question I would ask of God is, what do you want me to do now? But instead it's why God? Instead it's I don't understand. Two things that aren't asked in the Bible. The Bible never says to understand. It says to lean not on your understanding. It says to trust God. And so when we're waiting wrong, when we're waiting on just God to do something, when I'm waiting, not on God, when I'm not actively pursuing a relationship with God in those seasons, then what I'm doing is that I'm setting myself up to question God because I'm not seeing what I thought I should be seeing, right? I'm not seeing what I thought I should be seeing. So do we see the difference in the waiting? Again, if it's burning, it's just strength being developed. Everybody clap for some strength being developed. Okay. We want to feel the burn. We want to feel the burn. It's a good thing. Okay. So here is how we waste the waiting. We're going to look at some stories. I'm not going to look all of these up. 
I'm gonna give you some to write down if you're taking notes that you can go look up later. 2 Corinthians 4.16. This is all what is gonna be developed in you when we wait right. James 1, 2 through 4. And Romans 5, 3 through 5. Do I need to repeat those? You guys good? Repeat them? All right. 2 Corinthians 4.16. James 1, 2 through 4. And Romans 5, 3 through 5. Everybody good? If you didn't get them that time, elbow a buddy. They probably got them. And if they don't know, elbow the next buddy. And somebody in your row got one you didn't have. That's how the body of Christ works. We work together and create wonderful things. All right. How do we waste the waiting? Okay, back to when I worked in the gyms. We did this terrible thing to people where in December, we did this huge discount for the year. Because everyone, no matter who you are, If you accomplish nothing all year long, everybody accomplishes a New Year's resolution list. Okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make good decisions starting January 1st because for some reason I was incapable of making them December 1st. I can make them January 1st, I just know it. But really it's January 2nd because that's New Year's Day and of course I would eat leftovers on New Year's Day. So we do this terrible thing and we push these discounts for that year. Sign up, we'll give you a discount. You get the whole year in this bundle. Why? Quite honestly, not because we actually care about you. You would clog our gym if you all showed up. We just know that 60% of you are never gonna show up after January 31st. It's true. That is factual. You can't go ask any gym. That is factual. So we would still, we just take all your money because you signed up for the gyms and then we knew that 60% were not gonna show up after January 31st. Okay, waiting gone wrong. That is how we wait wrong is we quit. Okay, remove the option to quit. Okay, God does not do a discount bundle like as long as you tell me you're gonna wait for the year and pay for it, you'll be fine. Okay, that's not, God does not do that. We actually have to actively pursue a waiting relationship with him. All right, I'm gonna do some comparisons on some of these and we're gonna jump back and forth, but we're gonna talk on how to wait right and how to waste the waiting. The first one I wanna talk about is we waste the waiting when we're too focused on getting to where we wanna get to or getting out of what we're in that we miss where we're at right now, okay? And I'm gonna use the Israelites in this, is that God brought them out of Egypt to take them where? Right, so they have promised land on their mind. God's taking me to the promised land and anything left of this, anything short of that, anything that is outside of what the promised land should be, anything short of getting there, anything that doesn't read promised land in my mind is not sufficient for me. So what did they do? We are so focused on getting there that they missed every miracle that God did on their behalf on the way. Why did they go through the wilderness? For the purpose that God said, I need you to rely on me every single day. I need you to rely on me because I'm gonna be your cloud by day and your fire by night. I'm gonna send you manna. I'm gonna send you quail. You're gonna hit a rock and water's gonna come out of it. I'm gonna provide everything that you could ever need. Everything, every single day. And all you have to do is rely on me every day from here till there. And then getting there won't be a problem. But here's how they waited wrong. This is how they wasted their waiting, is that, God, I don't actually care about here and there. I just wanna be there. They eventually got to the point of getting there, but then what happened? They couldn't enter in 
because the entire time that God was trying to show him that he was their provider and he would never leave them and there was nothing impossible for him, they didn't learn any of that. They complained and whined the entire way through it. So now I'm at the promised land, but there's giants over there and suddenly I don't know if my God's big enough. Why? Because I missed the daily relationship with him when he was showing me just how big he is, just how much he could provide, just how much he loved me, just how much he wanted to provide, just how much I wasn't a slave, just how much he had in store for me. I missed all of that because I was focused over there. So that's our first point in how we can waste our waiting is that we're so focused on where we know God's taken us or we can be so focused on, God, your word says this and this is the promise. Proclaim the promises, you bet. That's what they're there for. But don't miss God today and today and today and today because the promise will never fulfill you like God can. The promised land was nothing without God. The promised land was nothing without God's provision. And sometimes we seek the promise, seek the healing, seek the promise, seek the answer, seek the... And that's our only focus. I'm sorry, God. I know you want to provide for my finances, but I'm actually looking at this promise, and so maybe we can talk later. That's the God we serve. He wants to provide in every area of our life, and that's what he was trying to show the Israelites, but they were so focused on where they were going, they missed it. Okay, but now let's wait right in the wilderness. Okay, they were in the wilderness and waited wrong, but now let's look at Moses, and what did he do? Every day, he just did what he did. Every day, he was just where he was supposed to be. Every day, he just tended those sheep. Every day, he was a shepherd. Every day, he did his job, and he did it every day. He wasn't worried about getting out of the wilderness. Every day, that's what he did, and what did he do? He led an entire nation out of slavery to the promised land. But then in the same wilderness, the same one, if you study it out, it's the same wilderness, the same wilderness, because we're so focused on up there, the nation that was delivered was the same nation that kept an entire generation out of the promised land. So we have one person that used their waiting to let God develop what they needed to do for their next season, and they delivered everybody out. But then we have another group of people in the same wilderness that kept everybody from the promised land because they waited wrong, because they wasted their waiting, because it wasn't daily. It was an end result of what I wanted. Do we see the detrimental difference? That's crazy, right? Okay, we'll keep going. Now I wanna look at the army of Israel. Okay, when we have David and the army of Israel, popular story, David and Goliath, okay? It says that Goliath came out every day and yelled his chants. But here's the line that gets overlooked by, on the, the Israelite side, is it says the army of Israel got dressed and put themselves in battle array every day. They got dressed and put themselves in battle array every day. This is how we can wait wrong. They got dressed and they appeared to be going to battle. They appeared like they were a mighty army, but we all know what was going on on the inside. They were so full of fear they were so afraid. They had zero confidence in God. They had zero confidence in what they were supposed to do. They, had, they were completely overwhelmed by the enemy, but they waited wrong. Why? 
because I'm so full of fear. I'm so living in a way that's contrary to the word of God that I don't even know if God's gonna show up, but no one can know that. I'm fully confident in what God can do when I look like I'm here to fight someone's battle. And we put on this appearance that I'm gonna fight a battle. I put on this appearance that I got everything under control. I put on the appearance that, oh, that enemy? Psh. 40 days, trembling in fear in battle array. But then there's David. And David, just, you know, to the side of their valley that they're fighting on, he's in his wilderness and he's tending sheep every day doing what he's supposed to be doing, letting God develop him every single day. A lion comes, God tells him how to handle it. A bear comes, he just knows how to handle it. God did not say, David, there will be a day and there will be a lion and I need to prepare you for this lion. There was no need for David to have to know the lion was coming. He did not have to know that those battles were coming because he had positioned himself to be prepared by God anyway. So when the lion came and the bear came, it was his natural response to take them out. In our lives, do we allow God to develop us on such a deep level that every single day that when the, the little battles come, when the, well, I, I would say a lion and bear would be a rather large battle. So when the big battle, scary, bearded battles come your way, is it our first response to cut, tell, and run? Is it our first response to post about them on Facebook? Is it our first response to whine about them? Is it our first response to freak out? Is it our first response to look like we're about to fight the battle, but we are trembling in fear? Or is it, oh, that thing? I, I already have what I need to be able to face this because God provides what I need every single day. Whether there's a battle that day or not, I already have everything I need because my God says I shall not lack or want for any good thing and he does not withhold anything good for me. So do we understand that we serve a God that every single day I have everything that I need to face what I need to face? If there's a battle that day, so be it. I got what I need. If there's not, so be it. I got what I need. If my friend has a battle that day, I have what I need because I'm waiting and I'm training and I'm waiting right. I'm waiting according to the word of God. So David shows up on the scene. The giant was not intimidating to him because David wasn't trying to fight the battle in his own strength and size himself up to it. He knew the God that was on the inside of him and it was just another battle that day. So he took out Goliath. That was not a big deal to him because he was developed every single day. I wonder how different our lives would look if we have used our waiting period to go, oh God, I'm gonna trust you. God, I want what you have. God, put in me today what I need. God, reveal to me what you've already supplied for my need today. Show me how, equip me, develop me. If it burns, it burns. But show me to be who you have me to be. So then the things that we face day in and day out that we feel like are taking us out, those things shouldn't touch us. We have already overcome. So the little battles that we feel like are completely taking us out were nothing more than supposed to be a bearded lion or a bear. And on a big day, it might've been a Goliath, but it was not something that David ever even second guessed because he had prepared in his waiting. But at the same time, an entire army is trembling in fear, having an appearance of a warrior, but no substance inside because they waited in fear and they waited on what they wanted God to do and they didn't see it. And David waited on God. Do we see the difference? All right. So now, 
Let's look at Jesus. I feel like if we're going to look at an example of somebody waiting, I want to look at Jesus. Okay. And I'm going to jump back and forth a little bit here, but I want to look at Jesus's wilderness season. We've talked about a couple wilderness seasons and I want to look at Jesus's wilderness season. And it says that the spirit led him to the wilderness. It did not say Satan led him there. It did not say one day he woke up and he was accidentally in a wilderness season. It said that the spirit led him there and he fasted for 40 days and Satan came to tempt him. And I've wondered, like, why that season? Have you guys wondered that? Like, why does it start that way? I mean, when you think about Jesus, we don't really hear much about him from zero to 30. I felt perfectly confident in this. I told my mom, well, I can die in three years. Jesus started his ministry at 32 and he was gone and in heaven at 33. So <laughs> I don't confess that, that's bad. But we see Jesus in those three years. What waiting period did he have to have from zero to 30 to have the three years that we see? And sometimes we, 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 we read the word and we're like, God, you said I have the same power. And he says, yeah, you have the same power to wait. That's where I've equipped you. That's where I equipped Jesus because it was in the waiting. It was in these seasons that he had to put his flesh aside. It was in these seasons that maybe got a little hard. It was in these seasons that he had to push through and fight for some things because then we fast forward and we get to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think this was the biggest battle Jesus ever fought personally. Because when you get in that story and you read that, okay, he is man, he is human, right? He is human on earth at this time. So the fight between humanity and divinity in that moment going, I could end this. But the fight that he has prepared, and guys, I studied this last week. I cannot get off of it. But if you put yourself, I always put myself in the story. And you put yourself in the story at that moment, and you know that you're about to be betrayed. I feel like that was just like a little lion, like a little lion compared to what's coming. Okay, so I'm about to be betrayed. But then beyond that, I'm about to get beat literally until my death. I'm about to get beat to the point that when they use the cat and nine tails, there was like, you'd rip and leave organs hanging. Okay, that was not like a cute little spanking. I'm about to get beat. I'm about to be humiliated, beyond humiliated, for a world that currently hates me. Not one that loves me, not one that's rooting for me, but a world that hates me. A world that was cheering for me last week, but when I wasn't who they wanted me to be, they're crucifying me this week. A world that in all honesty, some of us live for him now, some of us don't. And he knows this. Before he goes to the cross, and it says that he's, he's on his knees and he's praying, and he says, God, if there's another way, if there's any other way. But then it said that his sweat turned to blood. That's a real condition. You can look it up. It starts with an H. I can't pronounce the whole word. But it, it, his sweat literally turned to blood that this is this stressful situation and I'm reading that and I go, God, we are, we are weak people. We got to man up a little bit because a little thing happens and we wimp out about it and we quit. But Jesus going, I'm not going to quit. And God, if there's another way to do this, if there's any way to do this, and I go, that wilderness season, that wilderness season of waiting, 
positioned him for this season to be able to say yes, because here's what else he said. He said, if, if any other way, let it happen. He asked that twice, but then he says, but not my will, your will be done. When you study that out, if you go back to Matthew 6 and you read the Lord's Prayer, after the disciples said, teach us to pray, he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. It is the same word will. It is the same Greek word will that is used there as is used when Jesus says, your will be done, not mine. What does that mean? If Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray with that prayer, that means that those weren't empty words because sometimes we pray things and we go, oh, God's will will be done. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, I have lived my entire life, not according to my will, but according to your will. And in this moment, because every day waiting, every day, you think about every day in Jesus's life up until this moment was a waiting season. It just looked different, but this is a waiting season. And then in this moment, he goes, your will be done. But that word will, when you actually study out what it means, it says that it is your will. It is a desire that is acted upon. And we say, God, your will be done. We say, God, not my will be done. But until we start acting on it, words mean nothing. And a season waiting will cause us to act on some things. So when Jesus is in that moment and he goes, not my will, but yours be done. And if there's any other way, please let it happen. And he's in this moment and he goes, your will. I can see it, the, the, the blood and the tears on our behalf going, your will, your will be done. Why could he say that and follow through? Because every day he prayed, my father who art in heaven, how would it be thy name? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And he lived that way and acted on it every day. It wasn't cute words that every day Jesus said, your will be done in my life today. Your will be accomplished in my life today. And he did that. And in the waiting and in the burning and in every season, he followed through and he acted on waiting in active pursuit of his relationship with God, in active pursuit of his assignment on earth. And it gets to the biggest moment of his assignment. And he goes, your will be done. And was able to act on it, not because he was God and had willpower in that moment, because he spent a season going, your will be done, your will be done, your will be done, your will be done. And now when it really matters, now at the brink of our assignment, now when God wants to take us to the next level, can we say your will be done and act on it? Or do we say it and still do your will in my own will? I need your will when it lines up with mine because I haven't practiced putting your will first. That's what waiting is. That is a season of waiting, is it's not wasting our waiting. Our waiting is to be spent going, your will be done, God, not mine. How can I live in your will today? How can I obey the word of God today? Not God, how much of this can I actually get out of and still go to heaven? God, I know you died for me, but I would rather just live how I want, talk how I want because it's easier. Do you wanna know what would have been easier for Jesus? To choose himself and he chose you. So in my mind, I go, my waiting period, then I go, I'm gonna choose him and not me because he did that for me. Can we do that? Do we see that? We serve a God that said, I don't care how it feels. It would have been easier to choose my will. And there's another way around this. It would have been easier. And I wouldn't have blamed Jesus if he wouldn't have picked me because I don't live for him every day like I should, but he chose me anyway. 
And so in our seasons of waiting, instead of wimping out and quitting when anything gets hard, do we go, God, I choose to wait. I choose to wait actively with you every single day. I'm not gonna look at what's over there. I know what your word says and I will profess those words, but today my life will be in your will. Today, my life will be in your will. Today, give me what you need, whether that's a trial, whether I'm facing something today, you've already supplied me what I need here and there, both places, because that's how cool our God is, that we can't fight the good fight of faith if we don't know how to walk in faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And it says faith without action is dead and that um, we can't please God outside of faith. So what is faith? If we piled all of those scriptures into one, we act on what we hear. So really it's just simple obedience to the word of God every day in every area. Simple obedience. Why? Because it takes faith for me to go, if I stand up for this, they're going to look at me different, but I know that's what the word says. I obey the word. I obey the word again. And then God can take us from here to there, wherever here is, wherever there is. So today matters. Today matters. And we need to start living like today matters. We need to start living like this day is gonna get me to that day. That tomorrow, I'm not gonna worry about because it's got its own worries. And back there, that's cool. That happens and God's gonna use it for my good. And if I've repented for it, I'm good. But I serve a God that has more in store for me than I can ever plan for myself, that I could ever prepare for myself. And today matters. How I live today matters. How I talk today matters. My time in the word today matters. My commitment today matters. How I treat my spouse today matters. How I treat my kids today matters. Where I spend my time today matters. Because God will use everywhere you've ever been to get you to where he wants you to go. He'll use all of it, but it's gotta be surrendered to him. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I told my mom before we started, I said, you know, I've had a lot of seasons in my life where I've done a lot of different things. I went to school for exercise science and now I preach. So, <laughs> I don't moonwalk well, but, um, but in that season, I reffed basketball and, that, and, and, and volleyball, and I genuinely loved it. I, I lived in Pueblo, reffed all the time. That's how I paid for, when I was in school, that was my job because it was the only one that would work around my schedule, and uh, my mom hated to come watch me ref because she said, everybody just yells at you like everybody's mad at you, and uh, I told her before I preached this morning, or last night, I guess, I said, mom, there is one thing in my life that prepared me for ministry like nothing else, and that was refing basketball. And here's why. Because they teach you that even if you make the wrong call, you sell it because you're human and you're gonna mess up. But you be bold and you be assertive about the calls you're gonna make. But no matter what call I make, someone's ticked off at me. It doesn't matter. And the most probably applicable way to ministry is that I'm wearing the stripes but every spectator is a professional, okay? <laughs> and sometimes we feel that way. But I know that out of anything ever, that gave me thick skin. That made me, made me be assertive about the decisions I was making. That made me prepare behind the scenes to go, no, I gotta see the court. I gotta know what's happening. I gotta make the right call at the right time. And now in ministry, I use everything that I used in refing. I'll probably write a book on leadership training from a refing perspective. But <laughs> um, I use all of that. Why? Because God used that season to help me in this season. But if I would have skipped that season, 
I'd probably have no backbone, and that would be sad. <laughs> so it gave me something for this season. So when I say today matters, I mean today matters. That what you're doing right now, don't quit because it doesn't seem to line up with where God's taken you. Don't quit because you think you're going to be somewhere. Don't quit. The last one I want to just mention here quickly, and we're closing, and you can go ahead and stand as I mention this one. But I want to look at Daniel. And Daniel spent a life, lifestyle of prayer. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. We know about Daniel that he prayed. But here's the part that I think is fun. Daniel came after David, right? So David already killed the lion with his hands, okay? Daniel had to have a personal relationship with Jesus to know how to fight his battles because I have to wonder what would have happened if Daniel would have went in the lion's den and grabbed the lion by the beard like David did because that's what he heard worked for someone else. That's not what God had planned in Daniel's lion den. That's what he had planned for David. And sometimes in our seasons of frustration, we think, how did it work for someone else? Let's just do that. But see what that is, is that's wasting our waiting because it's a cop-out that I'm gonna copycat someone else's waiting season and hope it works in mine. It won't work. It won't work. Adam and Eve, I told the team this a couple weeks ago when we met with our children's team, is Adam and Eve in the garden. The enemy tempted Eve. And sometimes I've wondered, like, why did he tempt Eve? And so I studied that out. He tempted Eve because God didn't actually ever tell Eve not to eat from the tree. He told Adam. And the first question that he asked her was, did God really say? Eve has no backing for that. She doesn't know what God said because she didn't hear it from him himself. She heard it through someone else. And, some, and, and, and hearing through someone else, having people to build you up, that's very important, but that can't replace your relationship with God because that's an open door to the enemy to go, did God really say you can't do that? God really say you can't live that way? God really say not to? And you're like, oh, Bubby said. We preach the word of God. I'm not God. My dad's not God. No one in this platform is God. And we have access to a relationship with God. And it is vital. Guys, I can't express enough. It is vital, 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 vital in the times we live that we have a personal relationship with God and we know what he says for ourselves. And keep accountability because then if you hear something wonky, someone will help you out. So get accountability. First Peter 5, 8 says, be watchful, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have an evil enemy and he is out to take us out. He is not out to play nice. And the second you decide, I'm gonna be who God created me to be. I'm gonna live for him today. I'm gonna wait intentionally. I promise you there will be an attack. I promise you there will be an attack. It's just a bearded lion because your God is greater. Your God is bigger. Your God has good in store. Your God's already overcome. And so I say, let's wait intentionally. Let's wait on purpose because how we choose to wait behind the scenes will absolutely determine how God uses you when you get on the scene. If we don't wait behind the scenes intentionally and on purpose, then our on the scene performance will not be very great for anyone.